Hey Rob, just to let you know, I've started listening to your podcast, love the origin of the name. <laughs> Every time a guy goes down, he crumples, goes down in a heap. <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, that Tim Schwartz uh, broken pelvis uh, gig. Anyway, the uh, other thing I wanted to remark on, you talk about, you joke with your friends about... Uh, being all in a retirement home somewhere and playing D&D. Yeah, that's my dream, man. When are they going to start creating these D&D-themed retirement homes? Somebody get out and get on that. In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope. Bring your pole, oil, and rope. And try not to go down in a heat. Hey everyone, welcome back to Down in a Heap. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. I'm going to do something a little different today. Uh, I've had on, I I alluded to this and played uh, the message at the top of this show on a previous episode from uh, Roy Larenko from his podcast, Chaos is Limb. And he's dropped a number of messages to me as he's been going through my back catalog and I thought I'd just uh, play all of them in a sort of conversation about the back catalog, I guess, um, in a single episode, or at least, you know, the ones he's sent me so far. And I hope it doesn't come across as self-indulgent or something, but I, I appreciate uh, the gesture he's made, you know, showing some thought and uh, giving me encouragement with these messages and... Uh, I thought it might be something that a few of you might be interested in listening to. I've uh, kind of followed along with Roy and, and listened to my back catalog episodes, too, up to a certain point. Um, I don't know how many podcasters do this if they go back and listen to their old episodes, and if so, how often. But, you know, it's been over a year since I've um, started doing this, and... Those old episodes, I, I think I listened to back, I don't know, this summer or, or last summer, I should say, or I don't remember the last time I listened to them, but it is kind of, well, I hope I've shown some progression because those first um, handful of episodes, I was pretty, you, know, you think I talk slow now or and have a really stilted delivery. Back then it was even worse and the pauses between thoughts were palpable. So <laughs> I guess I, I appreciate even more that Roy's been listening to this because those initial offerings, I, I hope they were long on content because they they certainly weren't long on uh, quality. Um, one thing that I found really interesting is Roy started uh, his podcast kind of the same topic that I had started mine where talking about names in games so that was an interesting coincidence and I had called Roy to comment about that but uh, enough of me blabbing let's go to some of the call-ins that Roy's provided hey Rob just listen to your 12 principles of good gaming yeah, I'd love to go in detail on each of those, but I'm thinking that'll take like 12 messages. So I'm just going to remark on one of them and maybe I'll do a, a session on my own podcast in the near future to uh, to review your 12 laws 
uh, on the law of diminishing returns. Yeah, that is so true. I actually find that I would prefer like a a group of two or three, I think is kind of ideal. Other than the fact that sometimes the game system you're running, you need a variety of skills and, you know, in D&D, you have at least four main character classes, right, that you need filled out, four roles. But otherwise, even with three people, sometimes you just don't get enough spotlight on each person. That's true, and I think some of it depends on the genre of the game, too. Something like a spy or mystery game, I think, works much better with just a few people, or a few players, I should say. Otherwise, you're kind of often stepping on one another's toes, and those genres don't really require a lot of muscle, per se, usually. I mean, it's it's more about finding clues and discovering secrets, and... Uh, a lot of extra voices at the table kind of get in the way in those types of genres I've found. But, uh, yeah, for like a fantasy adventure game like D&D, I kind of like having a four or five player group and you get beyond that and it does become too, too many voices at the table. And I think it's easy for players to kind of just fade back into the background when you start getting large groups of seven, eight, nine, um, it almost in, inevitable, in, blah, 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 inevitably happens that several players just kind of take a backseat role. And some people might be comfortable in that role, too, and don't really want the spotlight. But uh, in general, I think RPGs should be about the players stepping into the spotlight once in a while. Uh, Roy did mention the, he was pondering doing a his own take on those 12 rules that I laid out, and he did. So his latest episode is a uh, Rules of Gaming Redo, so go check that out. Hey Rob, just a note to say I love how you've added that little ditty at the beginning of your uh, episodes. Great fun. Yeah, I added the the kooky ditty at the beginning of the podcast, I think around like the 6th or 7th episode. I don't know, it was like one of the first ones of the year. And uh, I think I had heard Logan Howard's theme song for Swordbreaker. Wahoo, Swordbreaker! And thought it was a really cool idea. So I quick added that to my podcast and I've been using it ever since. It's probably the best I can do. So yeah, I'm happy with how it turned out, I guess. And then later on, I started using those Thundar the Barbarian sound bites uh, for bumpers, and I like that too. It kind of adds to the type of feel I want to have in the podcast, where it's just kind of a Saturday morning over a bowl of Count Chocula, a little chat with the friends about gaming. Hey, Rob. Sorry to bombard you with messages. Just wanted to say I uh, came upon the first of your Isle of Misfit game series. What a great concept. I'm really looking forward to future entries. Yeah, I'd intended the Isle of Misfit games to be more of a uh, a thing I'd touch on more often, and maybe I'll get back to doing that again. Um, I only, <laughs> sorry, Roy, but I only did one more beyond the, the Thieves Guild game. I did one for the Atlantis uh, by Bard Games, but... I had a few others. I was thinking about Harn, actually, but it seems like maybe Harn isn't so neglected as I thought. I think there are a few Anchorites that, that like Harn. I know 
Tim from Gothridge Manor talks about that once in a while, but that was going to be the next one I had done. I do after Atlanta's, but uh, yeah, I'll ponder that some more. Hey, Rob, bombarding you with more messages. Enjoyed your episode on Into the Odd. You had asked if there were any other minimalist rule sets that people recommend. I want to mention Ray Otis's Sorcerers and Cell Swords, one of the most elegant games that I've seen. And what I really admire about it is how well he hits all of the right tropes. Check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, I'll have to check out that game by by uh, Ray. I know he's made a lot of little um, simple games like that that seem pretty cool. I know Colin has talked about Roy, uh, Roy Ray's game, There and Back Again, like uh, emulating The Hobbit. And I've looked at his, uh, is it Warriors of the Red Planet? Uh, his uh, Tunnel Goon take the for Goon Jam um, on John Carter of Mars. And that looks really pretty fun, too. So, yes, those little rules-light games, I think, make great fill-in games when a couple of people can't make it for the session or something. You can just roll those out. and uh, Yeah, but I'll check out Cell Swords and Sorcerers. Hey, Rob. Roy here. I don't feel like you have to play any of these, by the way, or respond to any of them. I know I'm just inundating you with uh, messages, but I'm going through and liking a lot of what I hear in your back catalog, so I do want to put in a word of encouragement from time to time. I uh, just finished listening to the one where you talk about the different options you have for fighter advancement and how they can choose different mechanical bonuses uh, as they gain levels, like archer or working with siege weaponry and so forth. Really love that idea. So instead of multiplying the number of character classes, you're kind of letting each person customize their character class. And I think the beauty of it is, is that unlike 5e, for example, where you do all of that up front, oh, running out of time. The beauty of it is that Instead of doing all the customization before you even start playing, you're doing the customization as part of character advancement. So it uh, lets the player get a better feel for what the campaign is like and what's actually going to be useful and better fit their character to it, or pick skills based on what they've actually been experiencing in the campaign, which makes a lot of sense as well. It also allows you to make your character unique in some mechanical ways without having all of that upfront investment. Anyway, love a lot of things about it. Uh, I had some similar options, not as many as yours, I think. I had some similar options in my home's retro clone, Chaos's Limb. Uh, but mine were kind of set according to level. But my good buddy Tim definitely recommended that I let people choose yeah, sorry. <laughs> People send me messages, and I know sometimes they'll, they'll say, you don't have to play these or whatever, but um, when they're good or when they're useful, I, I like to play them, and I like to have conversations with people on the podcast. That's part of what I see them. The meat and potatoes of the, the podcast are often just having these conversations about gaming. And I think it's been really fun, uh, you prompting me to kind of look back at my back catalog and 
Um, when you when it has been like a year for some of these episodes, it's it's interesting to I guess listen back and see if my opinions or thoughts have changed on some of these topics. But so it would be interesting to hear from some of the other anchorites if you ever do that if you ever look at back, your back catalog especially some of the guys that have been doing this more like two years and stuff um i don't know i know it's sometimes hard to listen to yourself talk too but uh as far as the the idea for customizing your character classes and stuff yeah that's that's an idea again that i got from the old arcanum though from bard games uh, i know like the warrior and their their rogue and things like that it had well in a lot of the classes they just had add a skill from this category or something as as a uh, a bonus for going up at a level or something and it just seems like you like you mentioned it seems best to me to have these customization options rather than having the, uh, this myriad of classes uh, that I just see kind of as as bloat but glad you enjoyed it and hey I'd love to hear an episode on Chaos's Limb about your uh, retro clone, Chaos's Limb. So count me as one person that would love to hear you talk about that. And now for some comments on the much misappreciated, underappreciated DF12. So I actually, I previously talked to you about Rayotis's Sorcerers and Sellswords. I did an adaptation of that that uses D12 as such a bizarre sort of game, in my mind anyway, that I just could not see myself using the mundane D6. So I did I adapted that one to D12. I know there's at least another game, I can't think of it now, but if I remember, I'll call back where they talk about the Do Decahedron of Destiny, which I think is probably a play on the Die of Fate from John Harper's World of Dungeons. John Harper's is a D of 6, and in this game they used a D of 12. I'm always interested in hearing more about D12. Go D12! Rob Roy here. Just listening to your episodes on your house rules for demi-humans. Yeah, I really love that shit. I uh, have some similar changes, although different, for my own Holmes Retro Clone, Chaos Islam. And I'll have to do an episode on that soon. Really love the uh, Dwarven Templar idea and how you kind of replace that for Paladin for humans. And you talk about doing some specialized spells for the Dwarf, which is exactly what I did for Chaos Islam. Uh, anyway, really loved your call back to Yukon Cornelius. Now, that was a great blast from the past, and your description of his behavior was just cracking me up. Okay, man, take care. And a plus one for more talk on Chaos's Limb about Chaos's Limb. Spell it out. Let us know what you've been uh, tinkering, or send me a link or something. I'd love to love to see what you had created and yeah, I love uh, Yukon Cornelius uh, <laughs> licking the pickaxe. Hey, Rob Roy here. I just wanted to talk about the punk aesthetic of your podcast. You mentioned this in 
early 2019, I want to say. Yeah, I uh, definitely the production values are a little bit rough at times, but I think that anybody that is not listening to your podcast because of that, uh, they're really doing themselves a disservice because you've got some uh, great material, great substance on this thing. I'm enjoying every episode. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. And yeah, I think the whole idea of Anchor allows people to just put out their thoughts and opinions and have these conversations without all the requirements of technical know-how and editing and all that stuff. And, you know, if people want to do all that stuff, that that's cool. But I think in a lot of ways or a lot of times that caps their, you know, puts a ceiling like on their uh, output. So I'd much rather hear a lot more from people rather than, you know, studio quality sound and and editing out all the ums and pauses and things and only having half the output. I just don't really care about that stuff, as is plainly obvious by listening to my podcast. And your second Isle of Misfit Games, you talk about Atlantis. I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to play Atlantis the Second Age at a con. Uh, it was great fun. I can't tell you too much about the system because we're really dependent on the DM to run us through it, but I uh, really loved the setting. It's really got that sword and sorcery vibe that I love, and I'd love to do a, a series just on just on that game sometime in the future. Yeah, one of these years I'll run an Atlantis game too, um, and yeah, by all means, I'd love to hear a series on Chaos's Limb about Atlantis, so... Please, please, more, more. You also mentioned that Bard Games, is that it was, that published Atlantis, went on to publish Talislanta. That's interesting. I had not realized that. Talislanta is another one of those settings that seems so cool. I'd love to run a campaign in it, but it looks complicated enough, rich enough, that, yeah, it would take a lot of study just to figure out everything that's going on, as I think you kind of mentioned. Uh, I think you'd almost have to do it in my mind if I were going to do it. I'd want to do it one region or country at a time and only taking into account the races that lived there and then kind of as you go through adventures and explore other parts of the world, just uncover those when you get there. That's very true about Talislanta. You'll get to it eventually, but I did run a game of Talislanta for Adam and Bill one week when the rest of the group couldn't make it. And uh, it is a pretty cool little game. Uh, the system itself is pretty simple, uh, but there's hundreds of character option templates, and and it is... A cool setting, but in order to appreciate the thing, I think everyone would need to read the Chronicles of Talislanta, and that's a big ask for the players. And then just remembering all this stuff, uh, it's it's one of those cases of that I think just going a little bit too far in how different it is. I think it could be an incredibly rich campaign setting and game if everyone really got on board and and got into the immersion and, and lore of the game. 
but yeah, that's a big ask. And and you're right, I think the best way to approach it would be doing it exactly how the Chronicles of Talislant are laid out, where the Chronicler is going from region to region on a kind of a world tour, and if you want to explore the world, that's, you know, you have an episodic campaign like that, I think that would be the best approach. And on your Rayotis challenge for something blue, you picked the Fiend Folio Exvart, or however that's pronounced, Zvart. Great choice. <laughs> what a crazy character, or creature, I should say. Uh, I, at one time, did develop a whole campaign world that was based on the Fiend Folio monsters. I'll have to dig that up sometime. I think the only thing I had from regular D&D monsters was the Illithid or Mind Flare. I included them in the history for some reason, although there weren't any around currently. Anyway, uh, love listening to your podcast. There's always something to excite me about it. <laughs> it's, it seems like we have really similar tastes, Roy. Because uh, again, you'll come upon... In my later episodes, yeah, I'm doing exactly that. I'm working on a campaign setting called Lost Plains that I'm going to try and use mainly the monsters from the Fiend Folio. And I'll probably have a few here or there from the old, the original monster manual and some of my own creation and stuff, but I'm going to try and confine myself more to the Fiend Folio. Hey Rob, just finished listening to your Logan Howard challenge. I like how your monster number three is actually three monsters in one, and your monster number two is two monsters in one. And number one, I guess, could be almost any monster. Did the Thule first appear in the module The Lost City before? And sorry if it seems like I am commenting on every episode. I am skipping a few. Not skipping listening to them, but just not commenting on them. Yeah, my top three monsters were the Thule. I don't know what module that maybe first appeared in. Um, it may be B4, I don't know, but I, of course it was first made its appearance in the the basic rules booklet uh, by Tom Wolvey. Um, my monster number two was the Yellow Musk Creeper, which begets Yellow Musk zombies. And my number one was the Doppelganger, the perfect infiltration monster. And, <laughs> yeah, I certainly don't mind all the calls, as you've noticed by now. I play them all, or... I'm playing them all. I hope that's all right with you, Roy. Um, keep them coming. Rob, again, it's these little gems that you have embedded in your podcasts that so delight me. You're talking about uh, the bad of 5e, and then you reference the airing of grievances for Festivus. <laughs> Classic. Until you pin me, this podcast isn't over. Gotta win the feats of strength. 
All right, Roy wins the feats of strength. This podcast is over. Thanks for listening. Um, I I know I've been sidetracked and not putting out the next installment of the BX Deep Dive. I hope to do that maybe tomorrow, Um, but I'm also trying to get uh, another secret project, secret uh, interview off the ground. I'm that might go down tonight, but uh, until I talk to you again, thanks to Roy Lorenko for all these wonderful messages. Please go check out his podcast, Chaos's Limb. He's got some really cool stuff in there. Um, a lot of <laughs> Land of the Lost talk. I love that part. So until I talk to you again, don't go down in a heap.